y'all. I'm Gretchen Purser, and this is The Mess Is Mine, the podcast where we talk about religion and politics and all the other stuff that you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I really appreciate your time. If you get a chance to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating, that will help others find the podcast. You can also subscribe on the Messes Mine homepage and receive an email every time a new episode drops. Okay, so it's fall, y'all. This is my favorite season. It's sweater weather, leaves are falling, college football, and in Virginia, it's also an election year. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to talk about carnival rides. We're going to talk about Colin Powell and litmus tests, space cowboys, and the one and only Liz Cheney. I'll give you some definitions, and I'll also give you an update or two. As always, there's a lot of trippy stuff going on out there, y'all. So take my hand, and let's go down the rabbit hole. You know that ride at the county fair that looks like a pirate ship and it goes back and forth and back and forth and it starts small and it's kind of fun for a while but then it goes further and further until it feels like you're going to get flung out of your seat and go crashing across the parking lot to the funnel cake stand? That kind of feels like our political climate right now. And I know that I pick on the Republicans, you know what, because it's what I know. It's it's where I'm from. But Today, I'm going to pick on both sides because there is plenty of crazy to go around, and it appears that there is no vaccine for crazy. It just feels like things are getting more and more extreme. Some people have called this the horseshoe effect, that the two ends of the the horseshoe have gotten so extreme and so far that they almost meet in the middle. Take Colin Powell, for example. Okay, the harsh criticisms in the days following his death last week were equally ugly from the extreme left and the extreme right. The fringe on both ends is bent so far out of whack, they actually are beginning to hate some of the same people. You probably read the disgraceful statement that Trump released after Powell's death last week. Y'all, this was so bad. A friend of mine texted me down in North Carolina and asked me if it was real or if it was from like Saturday Night Live or something. I mean, what is his deal? When political giants pass away, Trump cannot resist the urge to spit on their graves. I mean, think about it. John McCain has been gone for three years now, and Trump still trashes him every time he gets a chance. I mean, who does that? Who actually does that? Who actually trash talks people who just died? I mean, it says so much more about him than it does about anybody else, and it's just sad. You almost feel sorry for him. Almost. Anyway, Colin Powell was one of the most highly respected military figures in our nation's history and also one of the most distinguished members of our party ever. But after the January 6th attack, he no longer considered himself a Republican. Turns out, he was not alone. There's new Pew Research polling out there that shows that people are beginning to self-identify more and more as independents. Now, since 2016, and certainly since January 6th, the Republican Party has lost hundreds of thousands of people off the rolls. But not all of these people are transferring their registration. They're just identifying with the independent. It's super interesting because for so many people, they don't necessarily identify with Republicans or Democrats. A lot of my friends right now are disgusted with Republicans, but they don't want to be a Democrat either. And that's kind of how I feel. The Republican Party and the Democrat Party have been so strong that the Independent Party has basically just been squeezed out. There's nothing left. And if you vote for an independent candidate, you've pretty much just thrown your vote away. But not if these trends continue. For one week earlier this year, that independent number hit 50 percent. It's pulling from both sides, the left and the right. Increasingly, people do not see themselves as represented in either party. Honestly, it'll probably self-correct, but if it doesn't, it could change everything. 
All right, so I said we were going to do some definitions. Definition number one is a litmus test. Now, the traditional application of that word or that phrase is actually scientific. It's a chemical phrase. But for politics, for purposes of politics, it means a test in which a single factor is decisive, kind of like a social purity test for each party. So like you've heard, in order to be a good Republican, somebody has to be pro-life, or in order to be a good Democrat, you have to be for marriage equality. It's not unusual for policy positions to be used as somewhat of a litmus test for either party, but the new litmus test for the Republican Party has nothing to do with policy. It's not about being conservative. It's not about lower taxes or being pro-life. Want to guess? Go ahead. I'll wait. Okay, I think you guessed it. The litmus test today for being a good Republican is nothing more than embracing Trump's lie about a rigged election. That's it. The thing is, y'all, this this blind loyalty, pledge, fealty stuff is new. It's not supposed to be that way in this country. No American president has ever had this much control over his party, even when he was in the White House. Reagan, neither Bush, Clinton, Obama, none of them. This is really, really bad news for the Republican leadership. Also, for any would-be presidential candidate and just kind of normal people everywhere who wish that he would wander off into a Florida swamp someplace and just disappear. But it's clear he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He spent the entire last year telling the same lie over and over and over again. Which brings me to definition number two. Definition number two is sticky. It's a sticky wicket. Um, But we need to, if you don't understand the history of it, you need to because it's used, I don't know, 500 times a day. What is the big lie? I mean, is the big lie, you know, when your kid says he did his homework and he didn't? Ooh, ouch. A little close to home. Mom! It's actually a lot more sinister than that. So the Republicans hate the fact that this is used for good reason, because its roots are in Nazi Germany. But here's the gist. Barrage the people with constant propaganda. Never admit fault. Never accept blame. Tell the same lie over and over. And the bigger the lie, the more likely people will be to believe it. It almost sounds too simple to work. But the truth is, people like simple and they like certain. They want someone to take charge and tell them what they want to hear that nothing is their fault, that everything is someone else's fault. Looking back, we can see exactly how dangerous those lies were. But, you know, do you think it was obvious for people back then? I mean, it's really easy for us to sit around in judgment of people in Germany now, you know, knowing what we know from our perch in the future. But would we have done better? Would we have known that going along with seemingly harmless lies, or at least ignoring them and playing nice with the people in power, did we, would we have known that it would have such dire consequences? I'm not so sure. I think it's I think it's worth thinking about. And I'm not saying that we're damn Nazis, y'all, so don't freak out on me. All I am saying is that history can teach us a lot if we will listen. Anyone who cares about rehabbing the party or democracy has got to be willing to admit that truth matters and lies have consequences. And the consequence of Trump's big lie is that a whole lot of people who affiliate with the Republican Party to the tune of about 75 percent actually believe that the elections were stolen and that Donald Trump was the legitimate winner. All right. So this brings me to Liz Cheney and the January 6th committee. In the interest of time, I had to cut this down a bit, but I'll put the entire recording on my website. So if I were producing a movie of this, I would have Liz Cheney flying low over Mar-a-Lago and then soaring up to the Capitol riding some big-ass dragons. I mean, you can kind of see it, right? Bannon's and Mr. Trump's privilege arguments do, however, appear to reveal one thing. They suggest that President Trump was personally involved in the planning and execution of January 6th. 
and this committee will get to the bottom of that. You all know that there is no evidence of widespread election fraud sufficient to have changed the results of the election. You all know that the Dominion voting machines were not corrupted by a foreign power. You know these claims are false. Yet former President Trump repeats them almost daily. And he has now urged Republicans not to vote in 2022 and 2024. This is a prescription for national self-destruction. So Liz is one of two Republicans on this committee, and she's trying to get to the bottom of what exactly happened on January 6th. The Republican leadership is not at all happy with her. In fact, a lobbyist speaking on behalf of the Republican leader. Yes, you heard that right. A lobbyist speaking on behalf of the Republican leader issued a warning that every consultant working for Liz Cheney must either quit working for her or lose their other Republican business. I believe the exact quote was, you cannot serve two masters, which is further abuse by the GOP of the good book. But, you know, I doubt he read it, probably because it wasn't in two Corinthians. Anyway, there's just so much wrong with this. But kind of rule number one is you don't go after people's staff. And just so happens that some of the consultants for Liz Cheney are friends of mine. So I take it super personally. Secondly, Everybody knows that Liz Cheney is incredibly conservative. She is a solid conservative, way more conservative, frankly, than most people I know. And she's really, really smart. And for everybody who was just, I don't know, smoking pot all the way through the 2000s, Dick Cheney was vice president. (laughs) And Dick Cheney is her dad. So to put it in Wyoming terms, this ain't her first rodeo. Anyway, Trump world, which includes the House leadership now, of course, is coming at her with everything they've got. They took away her leadership post. They're challenging her reelection in her home state. They're threatening her staff. And yet she stands as one of the only profiles in courage in the whole dang party, at least for the moment. For what it's worth, my money's on Liz. History's on her side. The truth is on her side. And here's the other thing. If you're going to mess with the mother of dragons, you just might get burned. If you'd like to donate to Liz, I'll put a link to her campaign on my website. I know she'd appreciate it. So, yeah, it's just gotten weirder and weirder and weirder. And we no longer have a tolerance for boring in the United States. Like political Oxycontin, we're addicted to the crazy. We got hooked in the 2016 campaign, and we've had the monkey on our back ever since. Everything in this country is getting more and more extreme. Our weather... Our vacations, thanks to reality TV, extreme makeovers, extreme renovations, and now we have extreme politics. Welcome to the era of the celebrity politician. I can thank my friend Emily for coining that little phrase. It's kind of like the Kardashians. They're famous for being famous. In this particular Congress right now, crazy rules the day. The more outrageous and extreme and idiotic you are, the more attention you get and the more money you rake into your campaign coffers. So how does one one might ask, go from being a low-ranking nobody in the House of Representatives to being a right-wing rock star in bad shoes. Well, you can pack heat on the floor of the Capitol. You could get your COVID medicine from your local feed store. You could claim the election was stolen and then scream down your colleagues in the halls of Congress like a wild-eyed, stringy-haired lunatic on Jerry Springer. In today's GOP, I swear on an upside-down Bible, Honey Boo Boo could throw on a MAGA hat and get elected to Congress quicker than you can pledge allegiance to the insurrection flag. And hold up, Democrats, you guys are no better. Y'all paint tax the rich on the back of your ball gowns and talk about defunding the police, which is arguably the stupidest political move in history. 
and then the COVID stimulus. That makes sense, right? But you structure it so that people make more money sitting in the basement playing with their ferrets than they do by going back to work. What kind of stimulus is that? I mean, I guess it's good for the ferrets. It just seems like every other headline from your side looks like it came straight out of the onion. What's next? Like a $10 million study on pronouns for cats? I'm sorry. I mean feline mammals. Republicans cry foul when they've lost an election like dirty-faced nose pickers at a Little League game. And Democrats want to increase funding for infrastructure to include not just bridges and roads, but things like safe spaces and fidget spinners and tattoos. We've clearly all lost our damn minds. I'm just kidding about the tattoos and fidget spinners, I think. (laughs) Anyway, the Democrats' expectations for Biden are just way out of whack. Both FDR and LBJ enacted sweeping change in the country, but they had this thing called, definition number three, a supermajority. In other words, they had so many Democrats in the House and the Senate that they really didn't need Republican support. Obama barely passed his health care program, and he had 10 full more Senate votes than Biden has. It's like the whole Democrat party is being held by that spoiled little girl from Willy Wonka. You remember Veruca, don't you? How I want it now. The truth is, Biden just does not have the votes to do big things. And the cautionary tale for the Democrats is if they don't get it together, they won't be able to do anything at all. And that's, by the way, if you're a Republican, that's not good for you because you drive on roads and bridges, too. We need to stop wishing the other side would fail. That's part of the reason that we're in this mess. Same to you, Democrats. Damn it. (laughs) Okay, what about this? I feel like we've got this whole taxing thing wrong in the United States. We, you know, we tax cops and teachers and people that work really hard and they make $100,000 and we treat them like they're rich, no matter what city they live in. And then we also take people that are these terrible, awful millionaires who actually lots of times have small businesses and are supporting a lot of people. And we're taxing them too much. Meanwhile, we have some Americans who have so much goddamn money that they just shoot themselves into space for kicks. I mean, think about that for a minute. A recent study on food scarcity reports that just 2% of Elon Musk's net worth could solve world hunger. Now, I'm no Robin Hood, and I like people to make money, but it seems like things are getting a little bit out of control. So here's an idea. Since we can't pass any taxes, why don't we turn the I-95 corridor into the Jeff Bezos Highway? Or maybe we take all those big, expensive, super dilapidated bridges all over the country and just name them after Elon Musk. I don't know. I just think we should take advantage of the BSD contest that's going on because all this space travel is just getting obnoxious. Especially because we need a lot of stuff done down here on Earth. You know, down here where you live. And this is why I don't do policy. Last up is the Virginia governor's race, which is next week. So Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 points, so this race really shouldn't be close, but it is a squeaker. So the Republican's a guy named Glenn Youngkin, and he's a seemingly normal businessman, pretty successful. I mean, legit successful, not like I've had 25 bankruptcies successful. Anyway, he seems capable enough. The Democrats have been governor before, and he did a fine job. You know, Virginia is a purple state, and, you know, as long as somebody doesn't go full-blown Greg Abbott and mess things up a lot, it really is not likely to matter all that much who the actual governor is. And I've got a lot of friends who don't like Trump but are supporting Yunkin, and they say that he's really not that extreme, and even though he enjoys the backing of Trump and he's attended Stop the Steal rallies in the southern part of the state, he's really kind of has to walk both sides of the line, that he has no choice but both to play it both ways. They say that Yunkin winning is the first step toward restoring normalcy to the GOP. But that's what I'm worried about. I mean, is that our new normal? I happen to believe that two things can be true at once. On one hand, Youngkin can be a mostly normal, pro-business Republican who knows full well that the election was free and fair. 
and at the same time also be willing to thread the needle and play footsie with insurrectionists and right-wing extremists and people who want to ban books just in order to get across the finish line. This race matters because this is the part of the story where the Republicans decide who they want to be. Do they want to stay as the party of Trump or do they want to break free? You can't bob and weave your way through the question of whether our elections are fair and free. And you don't get out of the hole the Republican Party is in by continuing to dig. Look, y'all know this is nothing new. As for whether or not it's our new normal, I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's end this trip in a happy place. Number one, vaccines for kids. Finally, right around the bend, maybe as early as next week, we'll start seeing shots in arms, surely in time for Thanksgiving with Granny and Gramps. She's gotten her boobies. Oh, <laughs> I'd better go get my magnifying glass. <laughs> oh, and they are so perky. Second thing, the COVID forecast is looking a lot better this holiday season than last. So let's all cross our fingers it stays that way. Third thing, uh, the January 6th committee will meet again next month. Stay tuned to see how many of those subpoenaed are willing to go to jail to protect their mad king. This just gets curiouser and curiouser. As always, I hope the sun is shining where you are, and I hope your favorite football team is winning, unless they're playing mine. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.